The Women of Ill Repute, with your hosts, Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. Maureen, I, I realize I've never really asked you this, a really big question. Have you ever had any work done? Oh my God, we've had countless renovations. And then we did, uh, we re-landscaped the backyard last year. It was mud and dust for months. So yeah, boy, have I ever. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> I know it's not what you mean. I'm just stalling. Yes, in the interest of full disclosure, I had a tummy tuck after Ronan, after my second baby. And I've had breast reconstruction after losing one in the war, the war with cancer, which I won. <laughs> I won that one too. And uh, I lost bits of boobs, whatever. So I, I guess they would be called. I call them war injuries. And that's very tenacious of you to hang on to your breast there. Good for you, Wendy. Well, it's good we're on radio. I'm not flashing anybody. But anyway, but what about Botox? Have you had Botox? Yes, I've had Botox. I started getting Botox 20 years ago because nothing says beautiful like a face full of poison. <laughs> yeah, well, it's amazing what we do. Look, I realize I look like a wooden puppy from like the jaw down. I have this jaw line, the go now. You mean a wooden puppet? Yeah, but my forehead is unbelievable. Like there's not a single line. It's freakish how, how flat it is. Yeah. And listen, I got to admit, getting older is a drag, mostly for me because certain doors start closing. And I got to say, I suppose letting my hair grow in gray or white is a bit of a flag these days. A white flag. I think it looks great, but maybe a white, like as in I surrender white flag? As in I surrender, yes. You and I both agree that La Faire La Flamme was probably not about her beautiful silver hair, but uh, just an out and out power struggle. Yeah, but you know what? I think she might have won in the end. Yeah, I guess if there were any winners. Well, I guess some women deal with age a lot better than others. So there's you know, the people who are all going to be on our podcast in the future. Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin. Yes, yes. Helen Mirren is be- always has been beautiful. Elon Musk's mother. I have no idea what she has to say, but she's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. I, I, he doesn't take after her. Dolly Parton, our dream, our dream girl. Madonna. You know, I don't think Madonna's aging well, and I don't think it's a physical thing. I think her personality isn't aging well. Do you know what I mean? Well, her husband said it was it was like curling up to a piece of gristle, or at least that's what he's alleged to have said. <laughs> her ex-husband, we should point out. Sharon Stone, we like her. You and I both aspire to Sharon Stone, but listen, these are women our age. They're, they're middle-aged. They're not old. Well, if I'm middle-aged, that means I get to live to, what, 120? Absolutely. Well, there is one woman I know who is doing so well. She's at the top of her game. She really is the busiest woman in show business. Marilyn Dennis. Marilyn Dennis is the host of the, surprisingly, Marilyn Dennis Show, which, of course, is seen across the country. And she does that show. She's the host of Marilyn Dennis and Jamar, which is Toronto's top-rated morning radio show. You've been there. I'll admit that now. I'll admit that now. It is Toronto's top-rated morning show. (laughs) Anyway, she's been there since 86, and she works for Bell, which is kind of where Lisa Laflamme works. Worked. We know that you can't go there. You can't, like, shit on your boss. So there's so much else to talk about. Yeah, but, you know, she is also, personally, she's a mother. She's a grandmother. She's also, I guess you could call her a bride, because she married her high school prom date four and a half years ago. She's also a dear friend of mine, and she was, because she's a dear friend, she was the first guest to say yes to this podcast Way back when. Yeah, well, we did this interview ages ago, and we were going to save it and run it for right after Labor Day. And then we found out, like, who would believe that broadcasting veterans as us would have a technical problem? But we had a technical problem, so we're doing it again. We did. 
And then a whole lot of things happen in the world, particularly in the broadcast world, as you mentioned. And Marilyn graciously agreed to come back and give it another go. And so we are so happy to welcome her back because we have so much to talk about. It was my fault, by the way, in that last uh, last interview, which was brilliant, by the way. Well, I mean, you know, broadcasters, children go barefoot. Isn't that what they say? That's what they say. It's so good to be with you both again. I mean, this is the only time I get to see you. I'll take it. Yeah, I know. Well, as we said, you've started another season of the Marilyn Dennis television show. And geez, I don't know. You're coming on 34 years on radio. Is it 34, 35? At Chum FM. 86, to the math. Well, you know what I'm going to say to you? Don't ask a broadcaster on the fly to do a math equation because it's always wrong. It is so true. Roger Ashby was really good at that. He knew his numbers like that. One time he said to me, okay, here's a phone number, you know, add up all the phone numbers. And then if your number, phone number adds up to the number that Marilyn's about to say, you're going to win a prize. I'm like, I can't do that. (laughs) Seems needlessly complicated, doesn't it? No, it's too too much, but it's so good to be with you. And season 13 of the Marilyn Dennis Show is underway now. We've got an audience. We've had an audience still wearing masks since I'd say mid-July. We have guests that come in now. We actually get to do things in front of a live audience. And what a difference two years makes. Yeah, I know. It's a whole new world. Yeah, it was very quiet for the first year. I, I came back to the studio for both shows, but particularly for TV last August 23rd, this is like last year. And it was nobody in except everyone was remote. And now everyone's back in again, carefully, but back in. And it, you know, this is what it's all about. It's the connection. And I love the connection. Yeah. I used to work for the National and I just talked to this camera and you'd always try and imagine there were people there, but it does make like having that connection, Maureen, it's, it's real. Marilyn, take us through your day. Like, what did you do today? Because you're, this was, you are doing both shows. You're doing the radio and television. So you you started at what time? I got up at three. Jesus. (laughs) I watched a couple of newscasts. I had a cup of coffee. (laughs) I got to work for 5.15 because I have to wake up and I need to think, you know, it's just, I can't. Remember the days we used to roll in after a late night? Those days are gone. And then I did the morning show with Jamar on Chum. And then I come and do hair and makeup between, let's say, 9.15 and 10.15. I, I get mic'd up at 10.15 and we start the show. Today's show was Thanksgiving. And it was about how to carve a turkey, how to cook a turkey, how to be safe with a turkey. We had cocktails. So I've had a couple of shots of something. I had a martini today on the show, just a couple of sips. But as Maureen knows, I'm a light drinker. And then I just finished a meeting, wrap that up around noon. Sometimes it's 1230, but today was at noon. And then I have a look ahead meeting about what's happening in the next four to six, sometimes eight weeks on the Marilyn Dennis show. And then I have a very important podcast to do with my friends. Yes, us. I just think it's amazing. Amazing. And my favorite question to Maureen was always, because she did a morning show forever, was how on earth did you get, like, how do you get up? I'm sorry, like you guys find this really tiresome, but I just, I can't get over you getting up at three in the morning. Like, do you have like supper at like two in the afternoon? No, it's so funny you say that, Wendy, because the other day, my girlfriend who I've not seen in a long time, you you know, this is like the year of reunions. And my girlfriend said, I really want to see you. You know, when can we get together? And I said, well, I can do dinner at 4.30. <laughs> and it worked out beautifully because I was home by seven. And at 7.30, I was uh, showered and into bed I went. And it's easy for me to fall asleep fast. 
Yeah, you live in a different time zone. So it's just like a time zone thing. You just tell yourself you're in Europe or something. You do. And, you know, it's hard in the summer when you hear everybody have outside having fun, the kids playing basketball, you feel like you're being grounded and stuff. But then the winter comes. And I don't know if you felt this way, Maureen, but I felt like, okay, it's snowing outside. There's nothing to do out there. It's okay to be at home and go to bed early. That's how I feel about it. But we love home. We've talked about this. We love home. Home is, you know, is a a wonderful place. It's a refuge and we love to make our homes beautiful and we love to spend time there. So I think that helps a lot when you're living in an alternate universe, which you still are. Yeah, that's true. And I will say that I say goodbye to my bed in the morning. I'll see you soon. I love you so much. You don't even know. So that's it. Like that's your bad habit is is sleeping. Like what about the sex and drugs and rock and roll and all that, you know? Oh, well, the sex is good because, you know, there's a man in my life. But if you interviewed me five years ago, I would say it's the Sahara out there. Yeah. I remember Marilyn telling me at lunch, you got to you got to use it or lose it. I have never forgotten that. And so you're I'm glad you're using it. So tell Wendy how you met Jim, because it's such a great story and I never get tired of hearing it. Oh, well, you're sweet. Okay, so Jim and I go back to grade nine when he moved in to my neighborhood in little Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, our little neighborhood in Pittsburgh. And his dad was a salesperson. And so this new family moved in and they were part of the neighborhood. So he joined the gang in the neighborhood. And we, you know, we used to play football. We used to do all sorts of stuff together. Just a great group of kids. And we got to know each other through that and always were friends. I had a crush on him, but he had a crush on my my girlfriend, Lisa. She was more developed than I was. I'll just put it at that. It was maybe it was the knee highs and the saddle shoes that put him off. But we had fun together and I always had like a little crush on him. And I realized now, you know, we're just going to be friends. Okay, whatever. And then one day he moved away. And of course, being a real guy and being, you know, how how old are you? What, 16? Didn't tell anybody because he wasn't on the bus. So time goes by. The next year I get a call the following January and it's Jim. He's calling me from Nashville saying, is anyone taking you to the prom? And I said, no. And he said, I'd like to take you to the prom. I said, yeah, okay. Because I thought I don't have a boyfriend. And, you know, he's my friend and there'll be no drama. So he came to take me to the prom in April of 1975. And then we had a great weekend and he got to see all his friends. We had so much fun. And then we put him on a plane and off he went back to Nashville. And then we wrote a little bit to one another and then nothing. When I look back in my high school years, I thought I had fun. And he was part of that group of friends that I had fun with. So 42 years later, my then floor director, Kathy Attitude, has been with me since the city line days, always checks Facebook messages. And she said, She'll always forward something from people that I might know or think that they know me or whatever. So she sent this message and I went, oh my gosh, that's Jim. I love him. I'll get back to him. So a couple of days later, I emailed him and we went back and forth and it was great to reunite and that way. And then eventually, you know, he asked me, hey, do you want to get together? He's, he lives in Seattle. He said, hey, listen, do you want to get together for lunch or dinner? I will be in Chicago and that's only a quick flight for you, are you interested in meeting up? And, you know, of course I said, well, okay, of course I am. <laughs> 40 years later, you still had a crush. Oh, yeah. Those feelings, right? And Maureen knows a lot about this. But anyway. Well, I saw, I saw you a few days before you were going to go to Chicago. We had dinner and you were like a kid. You were like, I'm going to get my hair done and I'm going to wear this. Do you think I should wear this? Or I think I'm going to wear that, but I don't want to look like I'm trying. But of course I'm trying, but I don't want to look like I'm trying too hard. That's right. Hilarious. So, you know, like you got to present well, right? Didn't eat anything for like three days. I didn't want any problems, gas, bloating, nothing. I get my hair and makeup team to do my hair and makeup that morning. 
I am the most gorgeous piece of whatever going on a porter flight to Chicago. I mean, I'm the most well-dressed. I should be up front. I look so good. I get off the plane. I don't want to move my hair or anything like that. I get to the hotel and I watch TV just sitting there and I have broth for lunch. (laughs) Big bowl of steam. (laughs) Because I don't want the bloating, right? So anyway, he is at a conference, at a medical conference, and he says to me, well, we should meet for dinner at such and such a time. And then he says sweetly, because he's a sweet guy, are you as nervous as I am? And I said, yes, I am. I said, I am, but we'll, we'll get together. They say, long story short, I'm in this hotel and I come down the elevator. It is the longest ride down the elevator. And the lobby, for some reason, was empty. I don't know why, because it's a very busy place, Chicago. And here he is uh, pacing back and forth. And there he was. And I went up like I usually do. And I go, hi, I'm Marilyn Dennis. <laughs> Jim Hellman. And we hugged each other and he goes, how about a drink? I said, I'd love a drink. Okay. And then we went to the bar and started talking, had a great dinner, just had a great evening. We said goodbye. We came back the next day, had brunch, and then he had to go give another talk or whatever. And I went back home and didn't know what to think. And I thought, you know what? As Joe Rich, my therapist would say, and it always says, remember, you have a good life. Whether this works out or not, you have a good life. Because Maureen, you know, like life was good. Like there was no drama. Life is good. Life is good. So it's much better now. So a week later, he called me. And he said, listen, I would love to see you again. What are my chances of meeting in another city? And I said, they're looking really good. And that's when we cemented the relationship. (laughs) Do you want to know what I wore, though? Do you want to know what I wore, Maureen? I wore leather pants and a nice black top with sheer sleeves and some really fabulous high heels. There you have it. Yeah, there you have it. But he didn't message you for a whole week. I know. I know. Oh my God, you must have been going crazy. I would have been going, oh, you didn't like my broth breath, but. (laughs) No, but he did say to me, he did say to me before he left, Wendy, he said, I'll be in touch with you in a week. I'll call you on such and such a day. And he said, I think it was such and such a day at a certain time because he's a doctor. So he's got lots of thinking to do. And uh, yeah, so we are together and happy. And he moved in with me October of 2019. And I want to say something else. This is how much I love him. Where do you think I was Thanksgiving of 2019? Was I waiting for him at my house to welcome him? No. No, I was at a Steelers game in Pittsburgh because I always have the Steelers game with my girlfriends from high school. And sorry, you move on by yourself. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be home on the Monday. And that's how it is. That's, it's a great relationship. We're very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Mary? I've got a few friends our age who have either been widowed or divorced And most of them have found love again. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I know. I know. So it's not absolutely out of the question. However, I've had a couple of them say they just can't deal with the anxiety. Is he going to call me back? Or the the sexual anxiety? Just the drama of it. Like, much as they might want to be with somebody, is it worth putting yourself through those hoops at this point in our lives? Well, one thing that... I thought about that was a comfort to me is that I knew this kid when we were kids. And sometimes when that happens, you look at that person as like, okay, we're going to go play football now. Or are we going to go outside play like that kind of innocence? And at the same time, I thought, well, I'm established. This is my life. I'm not going to adopt things that you like to do and pretend I like them too. So I'm going to give you the facts. And that when I thought of it in those terms, 
especially the latter part, is that I thought, you know what? This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what time I go to work. This is my family, whatever. And there's nothing else that's going to change. I am established. And I think when you tell the truth like that, I think, and they, they say they get it and they act as if they get it. You can see it in actions more than words. Then the anxiety starts peeling away. You know, I mean, we don't have a long runway, let's face it. But at the same time, we have more knowledge. So you're not going to turn into, unless you're heartbroken, because we all turned into 17-year-old girls. But if you're really honest with this person, without saying these are the rules and regulations, just like, this is who I am. And no, I don't like skiing. Thank you very much. And, you know, I don't do that. I'm not an athlete. You know, that, that kind of stuff. When you have those great dinner conversations or walks or whatever, I feel like I haven't sold him something that is not real. I think that's really important. Really, really important. Like my husband and I, when we started out, he pretended that he likes windsurfing, which is my great love. And then finally he said, I freaking hate windsurfing. And I was able to say, well, I don't like going to concerts. It's great for 20 minutes. And then it's really boring. You go. And finally, like there's this honesty that has descended. Not that it's all bliss, but yeah, it is about being real. I think it's important. Yeah. I mean, I camped, I horseback ride. I went, I hate this. But I love to do what I do now. And, and there's other things that I like to do too. But it's like, you know, I thought about in the past, what are the things that I did incorrectly that I could have corrected? Because I don't know, we just aren't sure of ourselves at the time. And not that I'm not insecure because I do get insecure. There's no doubt about it. But I thought, I just want this to work. And if it doesn't work, I know that I gave it my best shot. And also you, you do talk about past relationships, about what didn't work for you in that relationship. I think sometimes they go, you should never bring up the ex-boyfriend. Well, yeah, I'm going to because we're old. There were other men in our lives. <laughs> didn't save it for you, baby. <laughs> I would be worried if you didn't have somebody. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's okay to do that. But I also know that I had a lot of time between relationships and I was very happy. As you know, Maureen, like really, I'm, I'm good now. Like I'm all good. But I also think for Jim, he was a kid that moved around every two years, as I mentioned before. He also was a colonel in the military. So deployment was like like this. And he told me about the time when he was married, he had to come. He came back from Bosnia and they told them as they were coming back into their regularly scheduled life. Listen, you can't come in and start bossing people around again because this person or these people have been living in this house in North America while you've been fighting or you've been doing whatever you're doing. Just know that you have to kind of slowly, slowly transition in. And he he absolutely did that because he was really worried about how much I loved my single life. Because after a while, as Maureen knows, that's going, I'm good. I like that. I can go to New York tomorrow. I can do this tomorrow. And I just didn't want to negotiate with another person again. But now I do. And it's fine. But I'm very, I know how lucky I am. But I understand the anticipation, the anxiety. I'm worried about what they're thinking. And, you know, you just have to tell them the truth. And you know what the red flags are. Do not ignore those red flags. Don't. Because it's just going to, it's not going to end up well. Those little red flags that we've known for a long time that we've never addressed. When you meet somebody new and you hear what they're saying to you, and it's a red flag, then it's a red flag. It doesn't, it, that's what it is. And so you have to really be a good listener when you meet somebody new and get some plastic surgery. No, I'm just kidding. But we're going to transition to that. I'm just kidding about that. Yeah, we're going to transition to that. No, but no, but we were, we, it's, it's a big deal. The decision is a big deal and what to do and how much to do. And unlike Wendy and me, well, Wendy was, was on television up until, you know, the incident. 
But having to deal with getting old to begin with or getting older is an issue. But when you're doing it on camera every day with everybody in HD, high definition, everybody checking you out, you've got to make some decisions. Yeah, but in high def, it's it's better, actually, because they have this machine where they can come in and they can say your nose is too wide will make her nose thinner. Like, it's unbelievable. I was so terrified of high definition coming along when I was in my 40s. But it's amazing. Well, they can take, you know, so-and-so's hair and put it on top of my head, but. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. You know what I was, what I didn't like about the, tra- like, you know, the old cameras and everything, speaking of that, they put a, I don't know about you guys, but whenever you did television, so much makeup on your face. And I always feel that when you're a kid, you put more makeup on to look older. When you're older, you want to put less on so you can look younger. Full disclosure. So I, I've, I've, as I mentioned earlier, I've had Botox. I've had a lot of surgery, like reconstruction surgery, but I'm at the point, I do stand in front of the mirror and go, well, wow, that would be amazing as I pull my little extra skin up around the jaw and so on. The women of ill repute. So when did you decide to leap off that building? I did that probably in probably in 1990 with the nose, because every time I smiled, my nose dipped. I never liked that. Felt like I was giving shade to others passing by. So it wasn't an age thing. It was just you didn't like the shape of your nose. That's right. And I had that done. And then, you know, as time went on, I saw that I looked tired and I thought, well, you know, raising kids, right? I was like, of course I'm tired. But morning shows, shift work will age you very quickly. There's no doubt about it. And then doing the morning show and then transitioning to, to TV and then going into morphing into my 40s, 40, mid 40s, I really noticed a difference. So I had under my eyes done, I think, next with a brow lift. And then, you know, you kind of get that 40 square after a while in your torso, like things. And so I watched my weight as much as I could. I've been up and down on my weight. I'm like a yo-yo, but I did an, a jaw, I pull in the jaw a little bit, just tighten it up. I've had my eyes down a couple of times just to, because they were getting droopy, just the eyelids. Where else? What else have I done? I've had a tummy tuck. I've had a breast lift, not a reduction, lift. I've had that. I had one lifted. <laughs> one of them? What about the other one? <laughs> I had one removed and then the other one I had, I had reduction. And yes, yeah. <laughs> I just thought I'd try, try one. <laughs> but this is weird because people like, Marilyn, people don't talk about this, you know, like Marina and I have decided like, what the hell, we're older, like just throw it all out there. But but it's, you know, I remember 20 years ago, people saying, oh, well, did you see Meg Ryan or did you see even Marilyn Dennis? Like somebody has like it was like, like it's shocking. And here you are just like, screw it. You know, like I had this because I didn't like that. I think it's a much healthier world that we live in. Maybe we're exposing too many secrets, but. Well, I I do. I th- I think so. And I talked to I long time name dropping right now. I got to talk to the Phyllis Diller back in the day. Oh, God. She, what a, she's a lovely. She was a lovely woman, like just so sweet. And I said to her, yeah, I loved her. She said, well, you know, I'm more attractive now than I was then. I go, well, you know, and yet you try to make yourself look unattractive. And, you know, with her, her outfits and everything. She said, I just didn't like the way I looked. I mean, it could be funny, but it can be attractive and funny. So she was so open about that. When I became open about that, oh my gosh, you know, I was being giving, uh, whatever. You're putting too much in your face. You're doing this. Now, I will say that, of course, I use filters on my Instagram. Come on, it's cheaper. 
but less evasive. And then there have been a couple of mistakes. I'll never forget. I told Jim this the other day. We're talking about when Botox was new and they were trying to find where to put it, right? And some, they had put it near my mouth. So my mouth, I'm like, and so they had to shoot. I had to go on live on television. I went and it interrupted the way I talked and my mouth. And they, you know, they, oh my gosh. And I said, well, shoot me from Ottawa because then you won't see it. You know, I finally said one day, I said, listen, I want to tell you, I said, I did something and it, I, I blamed myself because I signed up for it. And I said, they went too far. But it wasn't permanent. That's the nice thing about Botox. It just. No, because that's the thing it was not permanent. Right. And then there's fillers and all that kind of stuff. You try this and that. And I thought fillers, I'm not, I don't like fillers. I heard about fillers from someone we both know, a doctor we both know, who said filler, because I had filler under my eyes years ago, and it was awful, and it disappeared. And he said, you're lucky, because often, and this is a renowned cosmetic surgeon, he said, filler quite often does not go away. So, And sometimes they move, too. They move. You have a nose coming out of your chin. I have a question since you've been so forthcoming about this. What do you think is the best bang for your buck? First of all, before considering any cosmetic surgery, I think it's a bang for your buck to go to a dermatologist and get those little red zits around your nose and get the, you know, bring down the um, inflammation, the redness, the redness, your rosacea, if you have it. And there's firming techniques that are non-invasive that you can do. You can have as much cosmetic surgery, but if your skin is not in good shape, then the results aren't going to be good. So I would go dermatologist first, see what he or she has to say. What are some of the things that you need to do? They do have payment plans. They're not dumb. They have payment plans. You're going, how much? Okay, sign me up. You can even get like like RC, like whatever they're called. I don't know if you can do this here, but in the States, you can actually buy these, like they're RRSPs, but for cosmetic surgery. I mean, you can start saving up when you're young and you can invest this and then you can pull it out tax-free. I don't know if it's happening here. And I don't even know whether it's a good reflection on our society, but. So is it is it a good thing now that, that men are getting Botox and getting all their stuff or did we go too far down that? Like, because I think you're beautiful. I don't know what you were, what you would be like without having all the bits and pieces done. But yeah, I can't understand why people do so much. Kardashians haven't helped. That's true. I don't know. I just find it so hard to believe that you didn't think that you're beautiful. Like you're one of the most successful people in Canada. Lovable, popular, funny. Yeah. And you had to eat broth for your date, which was probably because your stomach was going flip floppy. <laughs> but maybe the most effective. <laughs> ha! It was the most expensive broth I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Here's what I want to say about that. I just want to, the nose was to change. Yes. The cosmetic surgery was to tighten and look fresher. That's all it was. I mean, I never had this, uh, oh, I never thought of myself as pretty, but I never thought of myself as ugly. As a friend of mine said, no, but you thought you were funny. And that, that carried you through. That's, you know, there's something like you have to identify something. I don't know. I don't know I'm that funny either, but I wanted to look fresh and not look tired. No amount of makeup could do that. But there was pressure, as we all know, in the 90s. Show your arms, wear the high heels. Yeah, the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got a little bit of that, but because I did a lifestyle show, it was okay for me to be a mom and, you know, and you'll still see this today on the show. 
you very rarely see me tuck in my shirt because I don't like belts and I have a little bit of a tummy and I tried everything and I just know how I feel comfortable. So but is it okay to get old, older? Yes. Well, this has been the topic this summer, right? And I, you know, we're, we're not going to take you down a place that is not politically right for you to be in. But now more than ever, and Wendy and I are certainly, well, okay, I'm going to say victims of this too. But, you know, our careers have been truncated for a number of reasons. And it wouldn't have happened, I think, A, if we were men. And what I guess I'm asking you is, do you feel pressured? Are people saying to you, well, gee, Marilyn, how much longer are you going to do this? And how do you feel about that? The R word. All the time. They ask me all the time. And I always say two things. I go, well, if they don't want me anymore, they should let me know. And then, you know, they'll let me know, hopefully in a nice way. But I also think if I'm not finding joy in it anymore, or I have the energy to do it anymore, to do it to the level I want to do it, is another answer. Another answer is, you know, I have a husband and a grandchild now. And I get Everly every other week. I help her mom out because she's her mom's a stylist. And so I take her, I pick her up after school and then we keep her till seven, six thirty, seven o'clock. Joy, I'm exhausted. But anyway, you know, you never get those years back. So it's a combination of all those things. And I do want to work and I do want to have purpose. I'd love to sleep in someday soon, but I don't know when that's going to happen. So the answer your question is, I'm not sure, but right now I'm in. And then when I'm not, we'll figure that one out. I don't have an age on it. You know, I don't have an age on that. I don't. But you're so successful. You're one of the biggest in Toronto. And it used to be like we're 50% of the population, but we sure weren't 50% of the, you know, the stars on radio or TV when when Maureen and I and you started out. And you're like, you're thriving. Like you're co-host as a young, young man. It used to be the other way around when we started out. And it's uh, kind of cool. Wendy, how did I become the oldest person at Chum? Seriously. <laughs> how the hell did that happen? I look at Jamar. I look at Azalea. I go, okay, he's 40, early 40s. She's 32. Lovely. I've got a wonderful new producer who's 12. Such a passionate guy when it comes to radio. It's like, it's amazing. And so you know, I never, I just, I just, it was really funny because I thought about dear Roger Ashby, who I love and adore and who was such a part of my life for so many years. And he said to me one day, you know, one day you're going to be the oldest person in this room. I went, nah, I'll probably go the same time you go. When he was ready to go after 50 years at Chum, Chum AM and then Chum FM, I went, well, I'm not ready. I'm still, you know, so it's, it's a wild thing. I am very happy to have my name on a station that I believe in. I'm so glad they didn't change the name of the station when they changed some stations into the bounce, pure country, virgin. Those are all great names and they're doing great things. And they're part of my umbrella of broadcasters in this bell world. But I'm so glad that they maintain Chum because when I do retire, I want to retire from Chum Radio. And I'm not going to say retire. I'm going to use a different word. The word is when I decide it's time to go, because I'll still be doing, who knows, I may, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I should really think about that. But I just know that it's been such a part of my life. I'm so glad I'll have that to say goodbye to. And it wasn't morphed into something else. People have changed. People have come and go. Some people didn't want to go and had to go. And some people decided to retire like, like Roger. But I'm, I'm so happy that I have that connection with a station that I believe in and that still believes in me for so long. I'm a lucky girl. So I'm going to say something to you because I want you both to know this. It is heartbreaking to me because I've had many, many good years 
there's been some bad times and especially on the TV side, just, just changing of the guard and everything like that. But through, you know, when is it city line and to this day, there, you know, there's that, that happens. Some good producers, some bad producers. I've got great, great teams on both sides of television and radio. I know I'm very lucky. It breaks my heart to know that some people, when I was having such a good time and still am, that they weren't enjoying their ride doing their various shows. I thought like high school, you know, you go back to reunion, you go, hey, it's so good to see you again. I said, oh, I was in high school, great. I hated it. I didn't have a good high school a couple of years. I'm like, so I, I always thought that when we woke up in the morning that we were all experiencing terrific stuff. And it, it's not true. Well, you got to be an optimist to survive, I think. I have to, I just have to, I'm not to speak on behalf of Wendy, but I know that Wendy loved being at the CBC and I loved being at CHFI. I mean, we, we loved our jobs. And so that made it all the more crushing when, you know, these events removed us from the jobs that we loved. But there are people that we know that are no longer working in the field, specifically radio, that were not having a good time, that were hurting. And it breaks my heart to know that. But maybe that's why you're there after all of these years, because you're not faking it. You're, you actually enjoy being with other people. And I, I think people can, well, you're saying that you couldn't tell the, you were surprised to learn these people were so unhappy. But I don't know. I think that's one of the things that makes somebody work in radio or television is that there is a joy, there is a chuckle, there is an enjoyment. So I know what you're referring to. Well, no, I confided the whole, the whole Darren, the Derringer years when I was at Q107, Marilyn was incredibly supportive and incredibly understanding. I still loved the job and I still had great chemistry with him. All that stuff that came out over the past summer was really hard to go back over that, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I, I really loved what I was doing. I just. And that, that's clarity for me because I know you both love what you do and what you did at those places. I was going to say venues, I don't know, whatever, stations. I reached out to somebody who's also of our vintage or even older, just saying that, that we were really lucky because. I've been speaking more of, of television than radio, mainstream media these days. It's just like we were there when people still believed what we were saying and there wasn't a thousand other... Because now, like, I, I must confess, I'm not a mainstream media person. I, I follow people that I feel are going to give me the goods and the goods are out in five minutes or five hours earlier than they would be on places that I used to go. So I'm just really grateful that I was there sort of during a special age. It's, it's like being born between the Second World War and <laughs> whatever is coming now. <laughs> the golden age. Yeah. No, I, it's so true. And I, I think about this building where, you know, I'm doing this podcast with you all and at 299 Queen Street and all the events that happen here, all the big shows and the big things in the parking lot and the big, you know, and so that changed a lot. But I think like my son said, someone had told him that prior to lockdown, that some of the wheels were falling off a little bit, but you didn't notice them. But the pandemic pushed us five years in advance to where we are now. So we're like five years from now, right now. The changes are incredible. The landscape is incredibly different from what we're used to. Now, I think about this. I say, well, you're 64. Is it because you remember the good old days? No, because not, not, not all the days gone by were really that good. I had some real struggles on different things. And it's like, wow, it's so different. Like people that decide they didn't want to come back to work and they moved away. Priorities are different, you know, and maybe maybe they're better. Maybe this isn't the be all and end all. And, you know, I'm glad we're, hey, listen, there's podcasting too. Don't let anybody tell you we're having a blast. We're just not making any money, <laughs> but we're having a great time. I know you are. 
we forgot to press record, so we're going to call you again tomorrow. We'll we'll do this every day. <laughs> well, I like that idea because I mean, next time I'll, I'll I do have a bottle of wine that somebody gave me today on the show. That's that. Those are the freebies I get. Next time I'll open it up and we'll toast each other. But you know, I love the fact that I can talk to you too because we all experienced the same time of what's happening and you know of of some of these events and getting to know you later on is great because that's that's a that's a sisterhood. Well, now one of the good things of being semi-retired because I still can't say the full word is that I have time for friends. So it's been and I only met Maureen like five years ago. Really, who knew that there was this whole there's stars in the sky. There's like all this weird stuff. I do have to say. It's pretty hilarious talking to the two of you. It's not the first time we've done it because you're two dear friends and you're also the two most famous people I know. And as I've said before, we can never travel together because if there's a plane crash, it'll be like Wendy Mesley and Marilyn Dennis killed in plane crash with local woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I love you. So we can't do that. But anyway, I do. I, I love you both, Mary. I've loved you for years. And thank you for doing this with us again. And we may ask you again, because you know what? You're going to be doing this for a while. And I'm going to want to hear about it. what it's like when you're in your 70s. <laughs> well, I'll see what I can do. I'll call you from the home. You know what we should do? We should get like a condo and put all broadcasters in the condo. And some of them will not make it, though. I'm telling you. Listen, I, it was a joy talking to both of you. And I'm so glad you're doing this. And it's such a great podcast. And good on you. That's what I have to say. Because both of you, like, re, like it, you pivoted. And you pivoted large. And I can hear the joy in, in that this turned out to be a great thing. We're ridiculously proud of ourselves. We made this from nothing. And, you know, if somehow we can pay for our groceries as a result. That would be great. We're not there yet. But you know what? Having you on board certainly is going to help. So thank you for that. Oh my gosh, you're too much. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate the time. Love you, Mayor. Thanks, Marilyn. Love you back. It's amazing. Yeah, all that work. And she looks so fresh. So it's working, whatever she's doing. She's only this big on my computer, but she looks amazing. But she has always been forthcoming, maybe not publicly like she was today, but she's always been forthcoming about that. And yeah, it's and she's taken a lot of abuse, as you know, when you're on camera and everybody feels that they can tell you how they feel about your haircut or about the, what you're wearing or whether you've put weight on or not. And she's been subjected to that her entire life. I mean, there's I've had my friends say to me, oh, you're friends with Marilyn. She's had a lot of work done. Seriously. I know, but I just, I don't know when she decided to go public with it all. And maybe more recently, it sounds like, but it is. It's like, screw off. I've decided to do this. What's the difference between doing this and, you know, going to the gym for two hours a day? It's all about doing what makes you feel right about stuff. And I just find it heartbreaking that she doesn't think she's beautiful and she doesn't, you know. She is. I know. She doesn't even. Well, they're all like that. They. We are all like that. The fact that I don't even think I'm very funny. And she's one of the most compelling, warmest, lovely. And yes, yeah, she's funny. And she also has a fantastic sense of humor which I think, you know, we agree having a great sense of humor is being able to get the joke even more so than telling it, right? Well, that's what I'm going with for the moment. <laughs> you always get the joke. You always get the joke. But I don't have a billboard. She's on, I was in Toronto recently and there's billboards everywhere. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy for her and so glad that she could come on. And, and Jim is a great guy, like a really great guy. And I wonder how it's going to be though, because he's still working, he's an anesthetist. As opposed to an aesthetician. 
and he's teaching and and she's so busy and well eventually they're going to sit across each other from the breakfast table and go well now what but in the meantime they're living large well then she'll go to the game with the phillies then she'll go to a game no i think it's so great it took me 25 or 27 years of marriage to realize oh okay so we don't like we're not clones (laughs) don't have to do the same thing yeah I would say it's even better if you don't do the same things all the time that you do need to break apart. Yeah. So it's good in your relationships to meet somebody or to get back with somebody at 60. It's you can just say, this is who I am. Okay. Yeah. Great. Love you too. So it's uh, yeah. Anyway, that's so nice. That's so nice. A great story. All right. On to the next. The Women of Ill Repute with Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at womenofillrepute.com. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>